I'm Ash. And I'm Heather. Welcome, Welcome to, to Pisces, Pisces Rising. Rising. We're two astrologers who both have Pisces Rising in our charts, and we want to talk about astrology with you. Go deep or go home. Hello, welcome to Pisces Rising. Hi everyone, welcome back. We're glad you're here listening to us and uh, we have a show all about transition today. Yeah, we're going to take a little break off of the Zodiac Compatibility series. We'll uh, take turns kind of going back and forth between that and other topics. And talk to you about deep astrology information. Pluto is exactly that. Pluto on its own is all about transition, transformation, plutonium, the underworld, the darkness, and then the light at the end of the tunnel. What it can bring you after a cathartic or a colossal change. Yeah, we're recording this on a day when Jupiter and Pluto are actually in exact conjunction today. And it's uh, Scorpio season. Scorpio is, of course, ruled by Pluto, so it felt very appropriate to talk about Pluto today. And we're going to talk about Pluto going through the houses. So just to give you an idea of how you change and how you deal with change and impact on your life. So it's not the way Pluto is aspected, but what you want to look at is what house Pluto is in. And we're talking natally, right, not yes. transiting Pluto. Yeah, okay, so you'll look at your natal chart and see where Pluto is, and we'll go through each of the houses, and it's kind of interesting to look up people you know, too, see where their Pluto is, because Pluto's not always obvious. You might not notice it about people, even people that are close to you, but it might reveal some insight into the more hidden aspects of their personality. And... Pluto has a connection with past lives, too. You know, Pluto in the 12th house is going to show you or get lost in <laughs> past life stuff. So, so it's karmic, and it's past life, and it's, it's not quite nodal. It's not like as past life as the south node, but it is karmic in the sense that it wants to show you the lesson, and once you learn the lesson... The, you rise above it and you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes lessons, karmic lessons particularly, not only come from this lifetime, but come from things that you may have unresolved in other lifetimes. So Pluto in the first. Yeah, so I mentioned that Pluto tends to be more subtle. This is the least subtle placement for Pluto. This will make the qualities of Pluto a lot more obvious and apparent on the surface. It'll be easier to spot it in somebody with Pluto in the first house. Especially if it's close to the ascending. So if you see the Pluto symbol under that line, one, you're going to have a lot more transformations and transitions in one life than you would think would be humanly possible, but you would essentially always be going through it in the first house. In the sense that it's going to be part of who you are being changeable and going through cathartic experiences and really being the chrysalis that emerges in the butterfly wings. It's very much like, here I am, I know I need to move through this change. There's more of an awareness to the change with the first house Pluto placement, and it's not really private, so... Most likely, you're going to lead people on the change with you or have some sort of change that people see. Like, I don't know for sure, but I I feel like Martin Luther King or these revolutionary leaders that have really protested for bigger changes of people being emotionally battered, that would be a first house Pluto, like, let's shed light on this. Pluto was in the light when you were born, and there's just this really heavy energy that does not want to be heavy anymore. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit harder to run from the shadow when your Pluto is in the first house, and it's because you're meant to work to transmute it and to transform it. So a lot of times people with Pluto in the first house will have kind of intense childhoods. They'll have maybe some trauma from a young age or some sort of darkness that they're dealing with. It's hard to not 
I don't want to say be drawn to it, but it's almost like these circumstances just keep popping up in, into their life until they take the control and responsibility to work with that as sort of their life's purpose and mission. And once that decision is made, then they're able to transform that trauma and that darkness into something that is really positive and helpful to humanity. I think that we're going to find that there's a lot of, not even politicians, but yeah, like revolutionaries specifically with that. I feel like people with Pluto in the first house tend to want to be leaders as well. They have a hard time being told what to do or feel pushed around. That's going to be particularly unnerving to them because Pluto is a lot about control and power. And so having that in your first house, you want to be in charge of yourself and your own destiny. It's going to feel really bad when other people tell you who you are and what you need to do. Yeah, that makes sense because it's so connected with the identity, especially if it's right on the ascending, it would be really in connection with who you are. Do you think that, how do you think this differs from people with Scorpio rising, having Pluto in the first house? Oh my god, I think it would be very, very similar, but I also feel like a Scorpio rising, not conjunct Pluto, would be more likely to think that they have a sense of privacy mm-hmm. and and come off in that intimidating I see through you way so you might instead of the charge of like let's change it it would be like the scan of whoever they want to change with they would like take them in for a longer period of time to decide if they can move forward with it because the rising this is not literal, so don't take this too seriously, but it almost controls you. There's just a filter that happens where you're not as connected to it, so you're not necessarily coming off. As, you don't think you're coming off like a Scorpio, you just are, which creates people stepping back because of things like direct eye contact, and they, I would say, come off very, very confident, but less energized. So I did find a couple leaders with Pluto in the first house. The Dalai Lama, Abraham Lincoln, Alexander the Great, Prince Charles, George W. Bush, and a lot of celebrities have this. I found Britney Spears to be an interesting one because she is going through like that free Britney thing and she's kind of fighting for her own power and control. That's a really good example of Pluto in the first house, what that can do sort of that first stage that I was talking about, like needing to overcome the trauma and like power and control that others are putting upon you. A lot of people with Pluto in the first house, they have childhoods where they feel like they don't have power and control, so they actually fight for that more as adults or in the second stage of their lives. Yeah, that is so interesting. I've never thought about that before, but that makes complete sense. So Pluto in the second, very different energy. Yeah, a lot, a lot harder to see outwardly. And the individual would be conservative and reserved and probably resist change, not yes. want to have it at all and fight actually against change. Yeah, very stubborn, very set in their ways. Maybe a little bit of a hoarder of wealth and resources and they might feel like other people are trying to take things away from them, specifically like material things. It might be a concern or worry for them. And a potential denial when they need to change and they have to, still not stepping up to what they need to do. So in turn, what would happen is change would be forced upon them by so much resistance. But I would also say that there's a beautiful protective energy here and a Pluto in the second house person would have really good boundaries and have a great understanding of what they want and how they want to feel emotionally, and that's what they're protecting. Yes, they are going to kind of cling tight to the the beliefs and value systems that matter to them. So these people might be more traditionalists. They might have important traditions, and they want to protect and um, keep those as a part of their experience and so they are very loyal people typically 
because they don't change their minds frequently. They don't change what they're doing in life all that much. And there's not a leadership role, but there is a stand by me or I won't like you kind of energy going on there. Yeah, they can be a little bit um, judgmental just about people that don't share their values or beliefs. But as soon as you kind of get on board with what they're thinking or doing, then they're going to kind of welcome you in to their bandwagon. <laughs> and in that turn, in that case, there's going to be a lot to talk about because when there's acceptance with that Pluto in the second house, they will be open to discussions, but they're that's what they're leading. They're leading the discussions, and they're leading how much information somebody else is going to get, including the individual that's carrying this. Like, it might still, if they trust you, it's still going to be limited in information, but it's also going to be limited to their own being. The second house is about pleasure, and it's about feeling good. And Pluto, eventually, you feel good when the lesson is understood. But the process of the transition of Pluto is long and lingering, especially more so in the second house. So there's that resistance to that being the case, which actually, in my opinion, makes it go a little bit longer and be a little bit harder and and feel a little more foggy. But there is also a really, really, really beautiful art that could come out of it and beautiful expression because where it might not be expressed with words, and Pluto's not going to really express with words anyway. In the first house, maybe a little more. But in general, Pluto is, is not going to really talk about what they're experiencing because Pluto itself is just very internal. So in the second house, it's more hidden, but it's also going to be expressed more beautiful through, let's say, paintings or writings or ways, literally straight-up artistic ways it will be expressed. Yeah, craftsmanship of any kind. I could see someone with this placement just being really good with their hands, able to make and create things. And, yeah, they're not necessarily going to be sharing it in so many words because Pluto is really secretive. It's very much... what Wherever Pluto is showing up in your chart, it's not going to necessarily be easy to express. And... The first house is maybe the exception, but even that has its own battles to face. And actually, I just said that about communication, but we're going to the third house, the house of communication. Yeah, that's going to be, these people are going to have a really hard time sharing in general, people with Pluto in the third house. I feel like this is a very shy and private placement for Pluto to end up. Yeah, where speaking about it would be the remedy, but it's going to be, it's going to, be a little bit challenging too because um, Pluto's so emotional, the third house is more rational and linear, so there's going to be a conflict to that that might feel very similar to an astrological square, like, you know, somebody that is very airy um, and very fiery and a little bit more of an extra personality, having a Pluto in the third house might give them conflict in the way of how do I feel my feelings, how do I express my emotions and feel a little bit of a split. The Pluto in the third alone is going to feel a little bit of a split. Let's just say it's in the house of Gemini and Gemini has two sides. And my belief is that Pluto is going to go more to the side of the not feeling than the feeling. Doesn't mean feelings aren't there. It just means you might have a tendency to ignore your feelings. However, it's a very changeable house too. And it's changeable in a little bit of the extroverted way. So that's an interesting cocktail right there. Yeah, I could see here where the person with Pluto in the third house would want to control the way in which they speak and the way in which they're perceived. And this is going to be a placement where you're beating yourself up a lot for saying the wrong thing because Pluto wants that control. And in the third house, the control over communication, how something is presented, how something is coming out of you and how it is being received. And I think that it will be very difficult to be satisfied with the way in which you communicate. So these people might kind of yield to the side of caution and not talk when they 
want to just because they tend to beat themselves up about what they say so much that if they do talk, they're going to feel a lot of uh, shame or regret over what they said, and they might just end up becoming really shy and closed off as a result. Or they, maybe if other things in their chart make them not shy, they're just going to be blurting out a lot, and then they get home and are like, I can't believe I did that, that's so embarrassing. Pluto makes you just want to kind of wall off. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's not really a rational planet, but I also wouldn't call it irrational. No. Because it's so deep and emotions do need to be dealt with, and that's a rational concept, dealing with your emotions. It's manipulative, and so m- manipulation isn't... I mean, it is irrational in a way to manipulate, but it's also very controlled and thought out. So, yeah, in that way, it it is a little bit more rational than, say, like, Uranus would be. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think you're right that the way to heal this placement is to open up and to let yourself have the permission to fail (laughs) in speaking. You know, maybe you're going to say the wrong thing. Maybe you're going to, you know have people not understand what you're trying to say, but the only way to get past it is to go through it. And I feel like the people with Pluto in the third house have a lot of things of importance to share, but they sometimes try so hard to control how other people are receiving them that they can't notice when their words are being met with positivity because they're so focused on, okay, this person didn't react the way I wanted them to. What? How should I what should I do next to get them to respond positively? It's a, it's a lot about controlling the way that other people are listening to you. You know what's interesting, though, if you think about it? The second house might be an artistic expression, where the third house, I could almost see it to come out in poetry, where you're not necessarily addressing it head-on, but you could be a poet, and instead of having it in a conversation or a dialogue, your expressions would be like Bob Dylan's expressions, just ranting and singing and having that flow, or a, um, what's it called, stream of consciousness. I feel like if your Pluto is in the third house, doing stream of consciousness writing is going to help you to identify what the fuck you need to do to progress. That's a really good idea, because in that way you're not talking face-to-face with someone, you're just getting it out, and you don't have to worry about what it is they're thinking or feeling or how they're reacting. And actually, I wonder if Bob Dylan does have Pluto in the third house, because when I saw him in concert, he faced away from the audience the whole time. He faced the wall. He didn't once address the audience, and that is so Pluto in the third house. So even if he doesn't have that, that is just a good example of what that energy is like. He didn't have to see how everyone was reacting to him. He was just sharing his stuff and then got off the stage. I'm looking that up and while I'm doing that we can go into the Pluto in the fourth house. Oh, here it is. Nobody does have Mars in the third house, which I think would do something very similar. Yeah, it's more of an aggression in communication and so that might have just been like a big fuck you to the audience like this is what I feel like doing and too bad, which is very Bob Dylan. If you've watched any documentaries, he he would constantly try to mess with the press, like he would give them false information just to kind of... Pluto's in the eighth house though. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Mars and Pluto in those placements. We'll, We'll get to that Oh my god, his moon's in Taurus. Okay, I gotta... We'll do, we'll do his chart. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's fun. Okay, so Pluto in the fourth house, that's a pretty intense placement for Pluto. I feel like a lot of the time that's going to create sort of intense home environment growing up. You're going to blame it on your parents. Yeah, you're going to carry a lot of um, crap from childhood, and you're going to feel... Like a lot, yeah, a lot of the problems that you have now are a result of the way you were raised, the people that were around you as a child, your circumstances. It's going to be really hard to take ownership of any emotional trauma. In fairness, you legit might have a crap childhood. Oh, yeah, no, we're not saying that yeah. it's not that way, and I'm not saying get over it by any means. Your, your, um, the transition, that might be where it begins with a Pluto in the fourth house, that transition of the relationship with your mother and what that does to you, and mm-hmm. at a young age it could influence you in the way of, like, trying to accommodate or 
like allow yourself to be manipulated so it's almost like the older you get the harder this placement could be if you don't deal with your your shit once you can identify what that shit is yeah definitely I yeah a lot of the fourth house stuff is mother stuff and it could be it could absolutely be both parents it could be the father it's just usually a lack of nurturing and where nurturing was supposed to be is control and manipulation and it could be subtle it could just be very much like small comments that one of your parents said to you that affected you or it could be you know on the other side like really bad abuse you're, you're, you're probably, in general, stuff in the fourth house, you're going to be prone to, to gaslighting and prone to, like, wanting to nurture others. The interesting thing is, though, about Pluto, and um, I, when I do charts, and you might do this too, Ash, is you can see, because you can see, uh, have an understanding of past life stuff, sometimes, and this is all depending on what you believe, what I believe is, like, in a way, you're chosen to be born and you're chosen where to come into to learn your lessons. So say, for example, you want to be, um, part of your purpose is to be a wonderful, loving mother and have all these babies and feel this unconditional love to your babies and your children and your family. What that might mean is in order to understand that lesson when you incarnate, especially incarnating into the fourth house of the Pluto, it might be like, all right, I have to have shitbag parents that test me so I realize how wrong that is to guide me into what I want and to guide me into this karmic thing. So when you're choosing to be born in this like light-mannered way, in a kind of collective conscious way or a, a higher conscious way, not a, not a subconscious or, not, or it's something that you don't see, like you don't come into this remembering all your past lifetimes, obviously, but at some point your soul is vibrating and does make this conscious decision to fly in at incarnation and to play out your karma in this life, to bring healing to it and to have that opportunity to bring healing to it. And it doesn't mean that you're choosing you know, you're choosing greatness on some level, but it doesn't mean you're going to have a great life immediately. It means you still have to learn the lesson. You still have to learn the Pluto, the karma, and to understand it to rise above the lesson. So to learn unconditional love, you might have to deal with a manipulative parent to know what that is by seeing what it's not. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really, I really love your description of that. And that's actually what I believe too. And I think that through contrast, we're able to learn like this isn't what I want. So now I know what it is I do want. And of course, you know, I, I know it might seem weird to think that anyone would choose abusive parents, but I don't necessarily think we're like, oh, I want to experience that. It's like Heather said, sometimes our soul is drawn to that particular vibration because of what it can teach us. Maybe through that experience, we're able to do something great for humanity. We're able to help so many people that are stuck in those cycles of incarnation because if that lesson isn't learned, then it's just going to keep repeating in future lifetimes or in you know, for other people. We're healing other people's karma, too, by healing our own, because it's all interconnected. That's kind of what I believe as well. And then we have Pluto in the fifth. Huh. This is kind of a self-conscious placement. I mean, the fifth house is so creative and so vibrant and so light-filled. To have Pluto there is really interesting, because that's, you know, the fifth house is the Leo house. That's the sun, and that is so opposite from Pluto. Yeah, but the, the work... And it's still in the light. It's Pluto would still be in the light in mm -hmm. the fifth house. Yeah. And the work ethic of, of that Leo energy, that sun energy, might make you feel like you have no option to not change. You know, you might have to change through expression or you might be so faced with it that if you don't do it, it's going to feel worse because the sun is like, do it. I, I do feel like this would be, this is a, one of the more challenging placements, though, because it's like life force and then the underworld of Pluto. Yeah, I can see this coming up for people that have issues with their own children as well. Um, so we saw in the fourth house that's issues with your parents or your mother, but in the fifth house, 
that's probably issues with your own children or with your own creations. We think of the fifth house as creativity. So that is either like you're, you know, create you're a creative person but you're not sharing it or maybe you're not sure how you're you have like a perpetual creative block with that. And or, you know, you have kids and you maybe have a challenging relationship with your children. There's a lot of change and transformation that's happening as a result of that relationship with your kids and and that could come from being selfish because in a way pluto is selfish yeah and the sun is definitely selfish it's all about the self so yeah it could be you you'd put yourself before your kids potentially but you might not see that's what you're doing you might uh the other thing is the fifth house is very dramatic so with pluto in the fifth house this is, whatever is happening is going to feel really like a huge deal, and it's probably going to be expressed as such. I, I'm curious to know if anyone I, I know has this one. It's, it's kind of an interesting placement. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, and I'm actually wondering, too, if a, a bunch of comedians have this placement, because I could see where you would take all this angst and transmute it to humor because it makes you feel so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that you would be so embarrassed by that you need to do something yeah for sure I think that you would almost feel a sense of okay another example that I could think of is like a stage mom would have this placement wanting to like put your kid in a pageant and parade them out there for all to see or people that live vicariously through their children, this could be a, another example of that. And I don't want to say that everyone that has this is going to be this way. There are probably great parents that have this. It's all about how conscious and aware you are. But it is a, t- a tendency. You might have wishes and desires for your child that they don't have for themselves, but you, like, push it on them. So just if you do have this placement and you do have children, just be aware of that and try to listen to what your kids are saying they want as opposed to what you think is best for them oh okay fifth house gordon ramsay has pluto in the fifth house by the way johnny cash Ooh, johnny cash is a good example of that it's all in the lyrics and in his lifestyle his resistance to be better and in the end in the end it was the energy of the partnership to to become better it seemed like it was for his partner of many years that stuck by him absolutely yeah and I I have one more example and then we can move on but uh Sylvia Plath had Pluto in the fifth house that is like that that's the one you saw my face yeah she had (laughs) children and you know her depression made it so that she couldn't really be there for them and the fucking sticking your head in the oven to die yeah that's like that is so Pluto in the fifth house that's like morbid and showy it's very dramatic and very um I mean clearly there was a lot of mental health issues there, but um, also just the way that she wrote, the way that she expressed herself was very, almost like, I mean, not Leo, because it's not sun, but, it, you know, or light. What was her sun sign? Virgo um, or Pisces or something? She was a Scorpio. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, wow. This is making so much sense now. So, yeah, Scorpio with, yeah, Pluto in the fifth. So, yeah, very intense. She probably felt things very deeply and expressed herself very dramatically as a result. And I know that, yeah, like her, her children, she had a difficult relationship with them. Pluto in the sixth house, service, transformation. Um, I actually could see this placement being somewhat comfortable. And, and also, the sixth house is ruled by Mercury. So, right? Is that right? Or no? Sixth house, yeah, because it's the Virgo, Virgo. house, yeah. Again, a, a better-ish placement, I think. Yeah, I mean, it could give you a propensity to be a workaholic, I could see, or just wanting to commit yourself and serve. Caring more about other people's change than your own. Yeah. Wanting other people to work through their own transitions and maybe feeling like if they do, you'll feel okay, people close to you or people that you're trying to change because there is going to be, like you said, the workaholic, the act of service. Yeah, you're going to be putting a lot of focus on how you can help other people transform their lives, and you might not, you might be keeping so busy doing that that you're not looking at what's going on with your own life. It could be a, a way of outrunning something emotional. 
You know, there's something, too, I think, about the Mercury, because if you think of the third house again and then going to the sixth house, that energy or that, like, brain energy when it comes to feeling does create a split, a, definitely a different split in that Virgo house than in the third house, because a Virgo house is a little more cautious and wants to appear balanced. Like, there's a huge caring of appearing normal, I guess, where I think the third house energy is just, like, less attached to appearance and also the sixth house in general is like the the energy is a little bit more black and white and a little bit more and it's just not abstract it's like there's like a ratio to the sixth house like if you do it if you put the work in it will turn out like this if you take these steps you know where the 12th house is super abstract but the sixth house does need order more of an order than the Gemini, Mercury of the third, like more of a like one step, two steps. So if you're going to do your healing, tap into the Byron Katie book or whatever her name is, a little bit more pragmatic in structure. And that I think is what gets tangled in a way of you might not actually get to what you need to get to if you're following steps that don't work for you, but you need steps. Yeah, you're going to need a little bit of structure, and I think people with this placement are willing to put in the work. They might have a hard time delegating to other people, Pluto and the Six. They're not going to want to, they'd rather just do it themselves than tell somebody else what to do. They might feel like it's the best way to get things done, and they feel like they're genuinely helping, but they could get resentful of having to do all the work. So there could be a subtle undercurrent. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm helping you. Why aren't you appreciating me? It's kind of like that energy. Even though Ooh, it's you like... just did Virgo voice good. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. I think you just took, I was, when I was, when you were talking, I was thinking, and it was like a ventriloquist, because I was <laughs> thinking the same things you were saying. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Is that good? Now we can go to the seventh? I think so. You said you have Pluto on the 7th? Me, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's yeah. awesome. Different yeah. placements, though, because you got to be Scorpio, and I'm Libra. Yes. Right? That's right. Um, but either way, a Pluto in the 7th is another, like, we're all in this together change. Mm-hmm. Peace and justice. Actually, you know, if you think about this, this is a teeny bit off topic, but it has to do with Pluto, and it has to do with the Gen X and the Millennials who have Pluto... Gen Xers are going to have Pluto in Libra, and Millennials are going to have Pluto in Scorpio. And Libra wants wants justice. They want truth. They want to avoid conflict. So that's going to influence over Pluto avoiding conflict. But the Millennial generation of Pluto and Scorpio is like, don't fucking lie to me. We see the truth. Mm -hmm. So they bring the truth and the strength to it. So I think what we just saw in the world in the month of November and leading up to November and then the rebellion, the rioting, the protesting, that is all, that that stems from the Pluto, the Gen Xers and the Millennials. That change, that upheaval, that energy of like, we are going to change no matter what intense shit we have to go through. We are going to keep pushing. I think that Scorpio is just like, I'm going to push quietly, and the Libra is going to push with words, but the Scorpio is going to just be like, I'm not accepting this. I'm not accepting what you call the norms. Amend the fucking Constitution. Like, to me, that's what the millennials say with the Pluto and Scorpio, and then the Plutos in Libras, they want peace. They want justice. They're so sick of this unfairness. And then you go back to the Plutos and Bergs, where they're probably more, so much of it was created. That yeah, they're more okay with just kind of maintaining the status quo, and they don't want to, like, rock the boat. And then if you look at Generation Z, which is the Pluto and Sag, they're going to be the ones taking the action. They're going to be the ones that are actually out there, you know, fighting for the change. I feel like a lot of people are like, Generation Z is going to save the world. Like, they're, Yeah, because yeah. the outspokenness. Getting back to Pluto in the seventh, though, I have a couple things I want to say that um, are a little bit more like on a personal scale. So with Pluto in the seventh, I've had a lot of difficulty with relationships in my life, and I feel like it's a lot to do with Pluto in the seventh. And I found that a lot of my close friendships have dissolved or have changed or have shifted or have just completely like transformed. 
yes, I'm like an active participant in it, but it also just happens. It's just, oh, like I do have some of the same friends that I've had for a long time, but then the people that are like in my immediate circle will change a lot and in dramatic ways. That's really important because Pluto in the seventh is going to mean you're going to work on your transformation with other people. So when it doesn't work, it's going to go different ways. You Mm -hmm. know, if you think of the Libra scales, one person on one scale, one person on the other scale and not being able to come to the, to the middle. But the, but the person with Pluto in the seventh house is going to need to come to the middle. They're going to need to know who their friends are. They're going to need to know that they can go through these transitions with somebody that's like-minded. Yeah, so relationships are very important to someone with Pluto in the seventh house, and they're going to be like a source of fixation. But if it's not working, it's going to have to dissolve because the person with Pluto in the seventh has to transform through their relationships. And if the relationships are holding them back, then they have to just break away from them. And it's just going to, it's like if the person isn't willing to make the step, it's just going to happen. Pluto will make it happen. And actually, I remember very clearly, and maybe this was Pluto in the seventh house stuff, where both of us were kind of going through that at the same time with the friendship loss. And I never equated it till that until you just said something. Yeah. Um, And actually, now that you say something, I think during that time period, I had a major Pluto transit going on, a square that lasted for like four years. Yeah. What happens is, and I don't know if you experienced this, but I did when I was going through all those like burnouts of friends is... I felt like I was the one that felt guilty about her, or I kept trying to go inward and figure out what the fuck that I did to yeah. have somebody, like, all of a sudden stop talking to me or making eye contact with me or anything for years. And, you know, I would be the one that would try to, to talk, try to apologize, just to have a conversation. Pluto in the seventh house is probably going to be a little less afraid to have a conversation about intense things you know like yes Libra energy likes to avoid conflicts and and Pluto doesn't really necessarily want to face conflict or confrontation but because of like what you were saying about healing through these relationships when you can't heal you want to go introspective to see what was wrong with you and you need that information from somebody else so when it just fizzles and you can't figure out your place because it does seem and I don't know if you experienced this but it was just like all of a sudden it's over and there was not necessarily really like a huge build up. It was all of a sudden like you do one thing somebody doesn't like or and then, you know, you don't even necessarily know what that is. And all of a sudden like the it, it, it's oh, like years and years of having the same friend could be over. And it's just like the anything in the seventh house, anything, whether it's Pluto, Venus, Sun, that the, the motive is to have powerful relationships. Yes. I have also noticed that Pluto will shake that up, and that has been an issue for me since I was a child. Like, I have had dramatic friendship fallings out, and, yeah, like, I started to be like, there must be something wrong with me because I can't, you know, maintain friendships. But it's just sort of this transformative energy that's, within the relationships and so all the relationships that I do have are really important and I guess when they've served their purpose they just kind of uh transform and then transformation station is definitely Pluto in the eighth yeah Pluto in the eighth is mega Pluto super Pluto yeah you might experience a lot of death in your life other people dying and actually you as a Pluto in the eighth house might have a very long life yeah. And might end up in some sort of like situation where you're helping spirits transition. There's a really weird, probably an overcomfort with death and things that you can't see, like a confidence. And that doesn't exude from you. You're not like, oh, I'm okay. But there's like an understanding of it, a natural understanding of the soul's progression. Yeah, you almost are able to accept death easier just because you maybe had the experience with it maybe you've had a lot of loss or maybe you're working in a field where you're seeing a lot of people leave this plane maybe you're even you know a medium like there could be that sense but again Pluto isn't necessarily outward with it so you might not be making that your profession necessarily but it's something that you're aware of on a subtle level if you have children with Pluto in the eighth you'll notice that they're probably seeing auras they're have, I say this in quotes, I know you guys can't see, but imaginary friends, which means spirits that they're seeing. So if you do have children in the eighth house, 
validate them and, and allow them to exercise their psychic activity because this is definitely a placement of big, big shifts and changes in a way that's natural. Um, it's very shamanic. It is, and it can also go... If it's not nurtured and the person doesn't feel safe, then the Pluto can become larger than life. I just looked at a couple, and, like, Hitler was the top one um, who had Pluto in the eighth house. So when it's not nurtured, when they don't feel like they can process what's going on or they feel, you know, maybe they grew up with parents that were like, you're not seeing things, like, you're... Or, you're not seeing anything real, like this is all fake, or they're denying that part of themselves, then the Pluto can almost turn into the super mega Pluto, and then they're just exercising power and control over other people's lives. And so Hitler is like the most dramatic example that we could come up with with that, where he exerted control and power over when other people live and die. Like that is what he did. And so that is like obviously the most extreme end of the the spectrum but that pluto can turn into sort of a super pluto if it's not nurtured and if it's not um allowed to be what it is so by that i mean being feeling like you're in a safe space to work with that energy of death and endings and facing it and not being afraid of it there's probably something very sensual and sexual about it, too. Yeah. You know, I think of, like, Pele or Isis, these goddesses of, like, destruction and creation, because the eighth house is all about, um, on some level, it's about ascending. You know, we, we, we look at it as, like, transformation and transition, but you also ascend through those things, and... I would say that you would have like a really a really tough skin and not a skin not a tough skin because you've experienced so much you're jaded but just an, a, a really understanding of the cycle of life and again nurturing is very helpful it just encourages it and allows it to 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 benefit not only the individual but benefit people that know the individual because when shit hits the fan and you need somebody to talk about anything about, like your worst fears, your biggest shame, you know, that's going to probably be received best by a Pluto in the eighth house person. Yeah, I think that they can handle a lot. Um, their capacity to handle potentially scary or dark situations is very vast. Like they're able to work with the darkness. I do think people with this placement could have a lot of nightmares. Maybe they're doing a lot of like astral travel in their dreams to sort of like darker, heavier planes. And again, they're kind of doing that because they're able to work with and transmute that energy. Yeah, and they'd be fearless about it too. Yeah. Pluto in the ninth. Mm. Pluto in the ninth is going to give you a lot of shifting beliefs and philosophies. I feel like somebody with this could, on the very low end, be susceptible to join, like, a cult. And on the high end, be an anthropologist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, or just someone who's extremely knowledgeable about a lot of different belief systems and spiritual journeys. But, yeah, I think that there's almost a fixation on finding sort of this higher knowledge, this religious belief that's going to provide some kind of um, ability to transform. And they're always going to be kind of seeking that out throughout their life. So yeah, if they are not as aware, they could be susceptible to people that, you know, are very charismatic, like in a cult situation. Or they could just be searchers and seekers of truth and knowledge. But it's going to be a little bit of an obsession for them they're going to always be looking for something. They're kind of like the endless seeker. And it's probably going to be more brainy than in the body, too, because of the seeking and because of the trying to figure it out and makes, maybe make sense of it in a rational way. Notice patterns, and that's why I think that the anthropology and the being in a cult is a good example because you are going to have a little bit of a sense of the bigger picture with Pluto in the ninth, and it's not going to be as intense in humanity as the 11th, but still, it's, there's going to be an inventiveness to it. Like, you're going to be the one to want to discover and break the pattern and, you know, get into, like, the culture of the indigenous tribes and 
maybe like witness but not necessarily participate. It would be like, okay, I want to understand this, I want to watch this, but I don't necessarily need to like eat dirt and walk 90 miles in the woods for three months. Yeah, and you could have a lot of shifting religious beliefs in your life. You could, because you're always looking for that higher ideal that fulfills sort of this like, I don't, maybe emptiness or void is the wrong term, so I don't know if it's quite that. Restlessness? Yeah. Maybe like a, yeah. Yeah. Restlessness is a good phrase. Like there's just a sense of searching for answers and yeah, you could go from kind of one belief to the next and it you know you might not be completely immersed in it it could just be like I'm going to study Hinduism for you know a year and now I'm going to move on to learning about some kind of like weird Christian sect like you could just go all over the map or now I'm going to try like what what did the atheists have to say like you're just all over the map because you're looking for some kind of answer and you might never really find it but it's just realizing it's more about the journey than the destination is a really important lesson for someone with this placement. Yeah and there's Jupiter over it. There's a Sag joy so it's gonna be a little lighter. Yeah the love of knowledge is gonna keep you excited and intrigued. Pluto in the 10th. This is thick. Yeah this is so whereas Pluto in the 4th is a lot of the maternal this is more paternal. So Pluto in the 10th, you might have had some issues with uh, masculinity or father figure growing up. Maybe being really strict and disciplined, overly disciplined, and I could, I could almost see maybe like people with eating disorders or that think about everything they do, everything they put into their body, like a little bit obsessive in trying to control and being proactive but not necessarily having that work. It's a little obsessive compulsive, yeah, for sure. But it could also make you a really hard worker and somebody who is really thorough and good at what they do, like on the positive end of it. But yeah, there's a real tendency for, yeah, like overstructuring your physical body and your life. Yeah, if you can not get stuck in the shadow work with this placement and really prevail you can make big shifts and help a lot of people. I actually think, too, psychologists, like really good psychologists, have this, probably have this placement, I would imagine, because it's also really an intense work to understand not only the emotions, but the mind. So this would be a mind-over-matter placement where because you're going to work, because you're going to work so hard no matter what on your thoughts and you're going to really think through your actions, why not do it in a way that works for you because the discipline is there. So if you can steer the car a little more and instead of thinking, oh, I want to avoid this or these things are bad and I, I want to avoid it at all costs or not participate in this kind of energy or not, you know, have any fat on my body. If you come at it as more of a like, well, sometimes change just happens and when that happens, I know I am strong enough to go through it so I don't necessarily have to monitor everything. It's going to be a lot easier during the process and the light at the end of the tunnel is going to be a lot brighter when you get there because you'll be able to enjoy it because the work is, you're more um, present in the work. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's really good. Another thing that I want to say is that the 10th house does rule over our public reputations. With Pluto being a shadowy planet in the 10th house, which is very public, that could mean that there's like a reputation smear at some point or like bad publicity almost. Something from your past could get dragged up publicly. So for people that are more in the public eye, like celebrities, maybe they have like something from their past that's kind of spread out over like a hidden sex tape or, you know, like something that they did when they were younger that gets them in trouble later on. That is absolutely something that could happen with this placement. Cancel culture. Yes. The 10th house. Yeah. Like somebody with Pluto in the 10th house would get canceled or would do the canceling. I think that they would avoid at all costs to get canceled, and when they do, they would be canceled out. And the interesting thing is, it does rule over a reputation, but one of the things 10th House Plutos need to remember is a reputation is something people give you. 
It is not who you are. Who you are is integrity and operating from the place of who you are. But a reputation can be given to you through rumors or through somebody's opinion and then you put it online and that could be ruined in a second even though you aren't really that. So a reputation could also be very unfairly earned even if you're not necessarily doing the things to earn it. It doesn't always go that way but people who want to build a good reputation and act with integrity might still get canceled out because a reputation is what other people cast on you. It's kind of like an ascending. (laughs) Yeah. Pluto in the 11th. This one is a little puzzling to me. It is, but it could also be, fuck the darkness, let's move on, we have to keep working together, we have to do this collectively. Um, It's so much about humanity, and there's some sort of weird thing about the 11th house. I don't know if anybody else sees this, but I find it very accepting and unjudgmental. So when you have a very judgy planet in a very unjudgmental place, that's going to soften the... Pluto a little. I don't, I, I, Pluto's, maybe judgment is the wrong word for Pluto, but there's pressure there and there's, yeah, there, there's going to be some judgment because we always judge how somebody else is emotionally or mentally. It just happens. So when it's in the 11th house, it's a little bit more like, all right, like it, it's opposite cancel culture. We're flawed. Things are fucked up. You know, I'm not going to hold you to that forever as long as you try to be better now. And I don't want to hear about the little things. You know, we all need to feel better together. So let's collectively, you know, you work through that and then and then march forward when you're ready to progress. So I feel I guess I would describe it as progressive. Yeah, so they are transformed, I guess, more by society as a whole than by, like, maybe individual relationships or by, you know, personal things. They are more on the brink of, like, big social movements and change, and that's where they do their personal transforming is through their involvement in that. I could also see this um, being, like, trying to control the social dynamics of a larger group. Like, they might want to be, like, the the leader of the group in that sense. They might have a harder time just being kind of one of the gang. They want to sort of subtly be aware of everything that's going on. I looked up a couple celebrities, and the two that jumped out at me were Einstein and Frida Kahlo. Radical. Yeah. Pluto in the 11th house is radical. Yeah, so they're not afraid of what people think of them. They are going to put their ideas out there they might even offend people with some of what they say but they're just all about shaking things up on like a larger scale and it's a little bit different than Pluto in the first house because they don't they're not dealing with as much personal trauma and intensity it's a little more abstract for them yeah that was good I feel like that's kind of all I have to say about it Pluto in the 12th this is maybe the worst one well, yeah, yeah, it's the worst. It's yeah. Just say it. Okay. Um, it's, it's yeah, awful. it's. I'm sorry if you have it, but yeah. <laughs> at least awareness is the biggest thing with this. And so, if you know that you have it, that is great. That is the first step to transforming it. Yeah, definitely. And and also, you know, it's it's the difference between being psychic and delusional. So you can just be like, all right, I'm going to be psychic. You know, with this, you're going to really be able to see. You know, you might you might feel like you're always seeing spirits or you're always you're you're so empathetic that it's just hard to be in the world and it's hard to be around a big group of people where in the 11th house it's going to be easy in the 12th house you're going to be like a sea sponge you know absorbing so much of the underworld waves and then and then there's just you know the the overcast of denial that happens in the 12th house of like oh it's just the way it is, and there is a... It's not denial like the second house, like, oh, I'm just not going to look at that. It's almost like, oh, like, the same thing keeps happening to me over and over again. I don't know why. What did I do in a past life? So you really... Ash is so right. Awareness is completely key with this and constantly asking yourself questions. Um, you also might deal with death as well in in a sense of, like... I could almost see people who are adapted to have Pluto in the 12th, not getting any answers of who they are, and having an unresolved, being born into this lifetime, feeling unresolved right away. Yeah, and a lot of that, I think that people with this placement do carry pretty heavy past life karma. They're coming in with that. They're coming in hot with it. 
and I think that a lot of their they kind of want to merge like they want to merge with that collective unconscious they want to just sort of be one with that and there's almost this feeling of wanting that unity and so yeah the feeling even if you're not adopted you might feel like you just came from a different like a world like you're an alien born into this world like you don't connect to your family you don't connect to humans or you could go the opposite way Donald Trump has Pluto in the 12th house I just looked it up and he like the way that I would read this is he you know your Pluto is almost kind of debilitated in the 12th house it's really hard to access and so he wielded his power like he had no political experience but got elected somehow and now every American thinks about him on the daily. Like, he's literally alive in the subconscious of all of us. Like, we're all kind of holding these thoughts of Trump, whether people love him or hate him. He is, like, in everyone's minds. He is in everyone's subconscious and collective consciousness. And that is extremely 12th house. Okay, that was fucking brilliant. There's more. <laughs> yes. um, the other thing is, what Ash just described is this weird shape-shifting energy that he has. He almost just, like, shape-shifts or allows possession to come in. And, yes, he is in the subconscious, and, he, and, and there's a contamination there. But the 12th house is also unconditional love. And not that we need to unconditionally, like, love him or, or anyone, but that is one thing that it can teach you if you choose to go that way. And it's, it's very long, and it could be very hard, um, but there is also the 12th house. What people don't tell you about it, because it usually is so easy to feel heavy and bothered in it, is it's deep, it's limitless, and it's unconditional. And, and it's you know, Christ consciousness on some level, right? We, we don't really talk about that, but there is this energy of, like, anything goes and anything is accepted. And it is, you know, we probably are judging 12th house shit all the time, but there is an element of it being elusive and not limited. So if you decide to make it good and to navigate your Pluto or navigate anything you have in the 12th house and you give it a lot of love and you give it a lot of acceptance. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make great changes, but it is the, it gives you the ability to ascend. And when you think of nirvana and bliss and the dude that meditates and like floats in the sky you know or going to the celestine prophecies or no what's it called the um the machu picchu there's you know in the celestine prophecies there is the story about how like if you go and you hike to machu picchu the energy of the land makes you vibrate so high you could probably be invisible that is where the 12th house could take you yeah absolutely and yeah, there could be, with Pluto in the 12th house, you could have felt a lack of unconditional love in your life, and that could make you really work toward giving that to other people, or you could go the Donald Trump route. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, this is fun. I, I like Pluto a lot. There's, It's not always positive. In fact, it rarely is, but it's where a lot of the important work lies. Yeah, take this information, guys. Use it. Yeah. Rise above your Pluto, because Pluto is all about rising above through the darkness. Yes. There's um, some really powerful transformations that can await. Keep emailing us your suggestion. We are doing charts professionally now together, and it's really, really fun. So send us your information if you want to get a chart with us. Yeah, if you want to get a chart with us, we just record it this way. Like, uh, we would an episode of the podcast, and you get, you know, a 20-minute episode basically of us talking about your chart so send us a message if you're interested in doing that and we can do birth charts transits sinistry whatever you want and just so you know everyone we've done it for together there's been a few we both do it separately as well but we have gotten nothing but great feedback people have been really happy with um, the discussion of their chart and basically what we do where we do this is like okay if you have this placement how could it personally help this placement imagine that with your whole chart how can you get to know your whole chart so much that you can live easier because we get right into the crap that's holding you back and how to loosen that hard aspect 
to like slingshot you forward into the future in a better, higher vibrational place by allowing, shedding light on the parts that you may think are dark or parts of your chart that you're not even using because they're in conflict and then they get activated by a transit and then you have to use it. We can help you with all that really easily. Thanks so much for joining us and we're excited to share more with you in the future. Thanks for listening to Pisces Rising. To send us a request for a celebrity chart or a topic, or to get a reading with us or see our upcoming classes, you can find us on Instagram at Pisces Rising Podcast, email us PiscesRisingPodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook. Have a magical day.